Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Ashley, I'm so excited to kick off our Black History Month recap with... One Night night in Miami. I mean, this film not only has one icon, we have one, two, three, four legendary men in this film. It's so much. And we felt like it would be an awesome opportunity to get a male's perspective. Mm -hmm. So we have our very first guest, my friend, Andrew Welcome to the podcast, Andrew. That's the, that's the <laughs> applause, crowd. applause, that's applause. That's the crowd coming in. Introduce yourself, please, to the yes, audience. Absolutely. My name is Andrew Tudor. Uh, I am a fan of music, travel from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, oh, wait. Oh, wait. I.O. Like, oh, no. Go. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Don't hate Delora. Let I'm us have this moment. I'm a Michigan fan. Yeah. Here we Let go. Let us have this moment. I know. And that's, but you that's live a in tough a, life. You live somewhere else. So anyway. It's a tough life. <laughs> so do fan. you, ma'am. So do you. So what? Ohio till I die. Period. Mm, mm. <laughs> Tell him. Uh, I'm a numbers uh, geek by day. So I do financial planning on my own investment firm with my, with my brother, which has been awesome. But we're here to talk about black legends, black male legends, and I'm, I'm here for it. So let's do and this. That black financial economic power is going to be a topic of discussion, Andrew. Sure will. <laughs> You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. All right. So today's recap, One Night in Miami. It is a, an Amazon Prime video um, original rated R. It's an hour and 54 minutes long. It's a drama and it dropped online January 8th, 2021. Here's a synopsis. On the night of February 25th, 1964 in Miami, Cassius Clay joins Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Malcolm X. And they discuss the responsibility of being successful black men during the civil rights movement. The cast includes Kinsley Benadire as Malcolm X. You've seen him on High Fidelity, which is a Hulu original, Pinky Blinders. And he recently played Obama in The Comey Rule, which is a Showtime miniseries. Eli Gore as Cassius Clay. Notable performance has been in Riverdale. We have... Aldous wow. Hodge. I didn't even remember him from Riverdale. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. He plays Jim Brown. He's most notable for his role in Underground. And he's now on the show, a Showtime show called City on a Hill. Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke, best known for his role 
in Hamilton. Yeah, boy. More recently, uh, Harriet. And then we're going to go ahead and go into the director, the wonderful, magnificent Regina King. Cincinnati, Ohio's finest. Sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actress extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is Oscar Riley. winner, Golden Globe winner, uh, Emmy winner, overall phenomenal woman. And Kemp Powers is the writer. He originally wrote this as a screenplay. So he's a playwright uh, by the same name, One Night in Miami, which premiered on stage in 2013. Mm-hmm. So overall, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics has given this film 98% uh, for the audience, which is everyday viewers. They rated this at 83%. And Google users liked it 87% of the time. Um, More recently, it's gotten some um, award love. So we have six NAACP awards uh, for Best Picture, Supporting Actor, Director, and Writing, Golden Globe nomination for Best Director, Supporting Actor, and Best Original Song, and two SAG Award nominations for Cast and Supporting Actor. So let's go into our ratings or grades. So, mm-hmm. Andrew, since you are our guest, please go first. Ooh, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I rate this movie an A. Not okay. plus, not minus. Solid A. Okay. 94% if we're doing percentile. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Thank and you. We'll get, and okay. we'll get into it uh, later why, but I thought it was wonderfully written. I thought the pace, uh, that's a, that's a, it's tough when you go from screen play to movie to keep the pace. So I thought pace was great. And two of my favorite guys, Aldous Hodge and Leslie Odom, I hadn't seen them act this well. Mm. I think Leslie Odom acted, this is his best performance as an actor. So 94 percentile A. Very nice. Thank you. Ashley? I give it an A+. Oh. And that is a hard you don't grade. get a lot of those. Thank you. I was just going to say, you already know. <laughs> but it meets, as I said in every recap, my criteria for why it is at the top of the rating scale. Okay. Cast was stellar. Story was stellar. Black excellence. Black female director. The cast was so stellar, in fact, that I can say I was completely sold on them being these men as I was watching this film. I escaped into every single one of their performances. It also took me down this magical history rabbit hole. I have to say it probably took me a good three and a half hours the first time I watched this. So did I. I probably paused it five times. (laughs) Uh, And it gave me things I didn't even know I needed. I I love this line that Kent Powers said in the Deadline interview. It was like discovering the Black Avengers. Yes. Yes. That is what it was. Yes. 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 That's what it was. So that's why. And and, and Malcolm X was like Captain Not America. (laughs) Yeah. Andrew, there you go. There you go. That's what it was. There you go. Well said, sir. All right, and my grade is a solid A. It's a solid A. I felt like it was well-written. I felt like the performances were dynamic. Um, The only reason why it's not an A+, honestly, I don't know why, because when I watched it the second (laughs) time, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like, I, 
I really enjoyed this film. Okay. And so we're going to give our spoiler alerts. Okay. So talk about black excellence as a running theme, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about this film into three sections. Okay. So I'm going to talk about it before February 25th, 1964, the night of that one night in Miami and then the aftermath. All right. So I'm going to start off with uh, recapping the first half. So the film starts off with Muhammad Ali. He, it is 1963. He's fighting Cooper. Uh, the fight doesn't really go the way he plans because he gets knocked out. Uh, we later find out that he actually won that fight. <laughs> um, not, then, not, not, not knocked out. He was knocked against the road. Knocked down. He was knocked down. Yeah, he yeah, saw yeah, some lights. Clear. Yeah, he did. He, he got dazed. <laughs> but I just wanted, you know, when we talk about Muhammad Ali, let's be clear. Yeah, that out man did not get knocked, knocked out. out. Yeah, that was not a KO. Thank you. Thank you, you for welcome, clarifying. You welcome. You welcome. Just, just had to be particular on that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to our next legend. Sam Cooke is performing at the Copacabana in New York City. And he bombs. At this point, though, he did have a number one single. You send me personal fave. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just not a good look. The, the, he didn't connect with the audience. Um, it was an all-white crowd, middle-aged white people. And they didn't like this young black man singing to him. And fun note, that performance actually happened in 1958. So mm-hmm. the movie doesn't do it justice in terms of the timeline, but it's, it's definitely noteworthy. Jim Brown is driving somewhere in the South. Um, at this point, he is... It was his meeting- hometown, Delora, his hometown in Georgia. Yes, his hometown in Georgia. And he's visiting a Mr. Carlton. Um, I guess his aunt essentially said that this, this man really wanted to meet him. And they have a great conversation. In this conversation, we find out that Jim Brown is doing his thing in the NFL, crushing records. He's well admired. Uh, at one point, the gentleman mentioned, if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. However... When the conversation came to an end, uh, <laughs> Jim Brown was essentially put in his place because the gentleman, uh, so the gentleman had to move some furniture. They were all on his porch and Jim Brown asked, hey, I can help you. You know, big, burly NFL man. Of course he can move some furniture for this man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the man just nonchalantly said, you know we don't let niggas in the house. I laughed because this scene was so jarring. Like I, I was. But isn't that how racism tracks. catches us on a regular basis? That is definitely how subtle racism catches us. I was just so it was so unexpected. It was so impactful because of how unexpected it was in that moment. Right, knocked you on your ass, girl. You Mind think you. you get away from it too? It was the exact scene of like I'm not black. I'm OJ. Like he's OJ before OJ. He is the record holder running back of everywhere. And he's like, Jay-Z was like, okay, like we'll we'll see. Still still nigga. Like literally, no matter what you do, you're still a nigga to me. Yeah. And they have a great day. So well. They said have a great day. 
Yeah. But you know what he didn't do, though? I don't know. This is me being petty. He didn't drink that lemonade. I don't know if y'all noticed that. Hell no, he didn't drink that lemonade. This ain't... <laughs> he ain't uh, asked for it, neither. <laughs> this, this is not a scene from Get Out. I'm not drinking nothing. This is also 1960s in the United States of America. So, you know... All and right. I mean, to Jim Brown's credit, the difference between him and OJ is Jim Brown never forgot that he was a black man. I'll and but they they never they never let him forget. It's interesting that he uh, went in the movies. I mean, OJ literally did exactly what Jim Brown did. That's broke true. the record. Yeah, you know what's movies. sad is you really quick. You know what's really sad? I actually didn't know much about Jim Brown. Oh yeah. Well, see, we're from Ohio, and not not being funny, like he's the legendary Cleveland Brown yeah. like, of all time. And his mm-hmm. name was Jim Brown, like it was destiny. So like we grew up knowing <laughs> Jim Brown. I was a running back in high school and college. Like he is like Barry Sanders. This is why we have OJ. you on this podcast. Cause you're so adding like so much color to this conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So he's the guy, right? He's OJ before OJ, but he, he was from the South. So he knew mm-hmm. OJ was from the West coast. OJ's from LA. He lived that life. He really yes. thought, that he surpassed racism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was good. Yeah. That was cute, huh, Andrew? That was cute. That was cute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And last and certainly not least, Malcolm X. Malcolm X is a man with his back against the wall at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is at a time, if you're familiar with his story, where he's actively talking about leaving the nation due to their leaders indiscretions uh within Mm -hmm. uh their community and the issue that he's facing because there's a conversation between him and his lovely wife um betty x on what to do because if if and when he leaves they have nothing because the nation owns everything and so Malcolm says, you know what? I have one more ace. And then that brings us to that one night in Miami. All right. So um, you all kind of did this for me a little bit, but any other initial reactions about the actor, the history, the film at this point, before we go into the big night? I'll let you go first, Andrew. I was just excited to be watching it happen. I think it's uh, it's a testament to how black storytellers get to tell stories again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, black director, black writer, Kent Powers is Howard graduate. He also wrote and co-directed Soul. Uh, mm-hmm. Sir, why are you doing our job? Yes. Oh, my bad, you. my bad, my no, bad. No, you're fine. So you are recapping that at the end of the month, Andrew. That'll be got our it, last got it. So, one. Oh, yeah, so tune back in. And tune, yeah, so uh, yes, back. go ahead. Go ahead. So, so, um, but no, it, it it's interesting to watch like Black excellence ring true and like know that it has to come from our perspective. So I was just excited to like celebrate these men and like the dynamic views of how exactly pushing the black folks, the black community forward can show up in different places. And it's a very spirited, needed debate on what's the right way because everybody doesn't have to do play the same role. Yes, so yes. I thought it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right. What about you, Ashley? Um, I was just going to say, I know, Delora, you mentioned earlier that Jim Brown of the four was the one you knew the least about Sam Cooke 
was the one I knew the least about. Oh, so he's the yes. one I went down the rabbit hole of because, you know, again, I just really, really, really enjoyed the layers of history that I was getting that I was unaware of. Even Malcolm X, I have to say, I thought I knew quite a bit about and this film gave me Girl, nuggets. When like I his tell love you, for photography that I absolutely never knew about. Um, go ahead. Really quick, I'm so sorry. My deep dive of Malcolm X happened in the, like the last two years because I always tell my friends this. Um, I feel like growing up I was Martin, but as I've gotten older, I've become Malcolm. <laughs> Like the because struggle. Martin became Malcolm. I think Martin I was, became Malcolm. That's yeah. very true. I and think I they, they really did come to a really strong place at the same point, yes. close and, to both of their deaths. Mind so. you, just this the this the you know, being sick and tired of being sick and tired type of conversation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um but yeah, my deep dive of Malcolm happened in the last two years. So Spike Lee's Malcolm X is a masterpiece. And the fact that it got no love is something that I don't think I could get over. Granted, I'm way late, but after watching it, okay. And then stay tuned for my for our Hidden Gems because I have um, another recommendation for that as yes. well for Malcolm X. That's that's really all I had. I can say too, as I was watching the, because uh, at the beginning of the film or throughout this film, is he still Cassius Clay? He's not Muhammad Ali yet. But I still yes. started wondering, comparing his performance to Will Smith, and I couldn't figure out where I landed on if I thought whose performance I thought was more accurate. But David I thoroughly and I did the same thing. I thoroughly enjoyed his version of Cassius Clay at this point in time in his career. Freaking loved it. He was so young. He was so vibrant. So full of energy. All of those Cassius Clay. The biggest shit talker of all time. I was going to say all of those moments, the beating on the chest. Oh, all of that. I'm like, oh my God. The faces. Yes. This is too much. It was incredible. But I just really want to hear what like Layla Ali thought about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to hear from some of the folks who are new and family of these people to know what they thought as well. But well, I, there. I will happily report that Jim Brown have, has seen it and he, uh, he, he enjoyed it. So, and I will say for my initial reactions of the actors and everything, I can't even tell you who's my favorite actor. I mean, I felt like Malcolm X, the gentleman Kinsley did a, an amazing job. I mean, yeah. just his voice in like whenever he gets like upset or, you know, in the moment of, um, you know, trying to prove a point or whatnot. Uh, again, Cassius Clay, amazing. I will say out of the mannerisms, I really didn't know much about Sam Cooke. Although I know his music, I didn't watch a lot of his live performances. And mm-hmm. so after watching this film and going down a YouTube rabbit hole, Leslie Odom Jr. definitely captured uh, the be. essence of Sam Cooke. And the other thing Absolutely. I'm going to say about him is I was like, okay, he's trying to get this, uh, he's trying to get this uh, award to grow gold with just a nose because he definitely got a nose job for, you <laughs> yeah, know, prosthetic, prosthetic, yeah. of course. So well, I even heard one of the actors say uh, that they listened to a version of, I believe it was A Change Is Gonna Come. It could have been You Send Me. And he couldn't tell whether it was Sam Cooke or Leslie Odom Jr.'s recording. That's how on point Leslie was. I mean, mm-hmm. phenomenal. Leslie's yeah. voice is a little bit higher than Sam Cooke's, but yeah, both amazing, amazing voice. Wonderful. I was a little, uh, I was a little taken aback when I saw that he was playing Sam Cooke because... I've seen Hamilton a lot. I've seen him in other films. 
I listen to his album. So as one, like he's one of my favorite singers. Like I listen to him like day, daily, but I was afraid he wasn't going to act it well enough because he's like a quirky actor. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, I'm really happy to see that he, I think it's the difference between being on stage and like being more of a showy, like your entire body. And then like yeah. when it's on film and the small screen, like the nuances of his facial expression yes. were all mm-hmm. on point especially when we get to the scene where he's talking about Bobby Womack and the Valentinos yes. and he's snapping his finger about yes. Rolling Stones. Like he, he did it. Per- it was a, it was a perfect rendition. I thought. And Andrew, that's such a good point too. Cause there are like eight plus top actors in the field, appearance based on salary and all of that. I'm saying who cannot go from stage to screen or no. vice versa. No. So Not that is, that's truly a phenomenal gift. It is. And I think he nailed it in this performance for the first time. Like, Mm -hmm. to be honest, I've I've seen him. There was the love in quarantine. Yes. uh, And it was just, he just didn't, I didn't, I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. I hadn't loved any of his big screen performances until this one. And I was like, oh yeah, you, he's been working on his craft of small screen performances in his show. Nice. Very nice. All right. We, we've made it February 25th, 1964. The reason why this night is so important is because this is the heavyweight championship fight. Cassius Clay is fighting against Sonny Liston, who is the current heavyweight champion. That is something that I did not know beforehand. <laughs> and um, so Cassius Clay was essentially the underdog going into this fight. Seven to one that Sonny Liston is going to win. Seven to one. Seven to one. Seven to one. Oh, the 22-year-old mm-hmm. yes. from Louisville, Kentucky, Kentucky. that no one knows. And, yeah. and I, I also like to call this night also a seismic shift because so many things changed after this fight, right? Mm-hmm. So Ali or Cassius Clay wins. Uh, in the audience, he has... Malcolm X taking pictures. Can I just say, where are these pictures? I need them. All the pictures that Malcolm X has taken through the years, like, I need to know. Jim Brown is commentating um, on the fight, and Sam Cooke is there in the audience. And fun fact, the relationship between Sam Cooke and Ali is because Ali has a song, kind of like in our generation, how Kobe had a single, Shaq had an album. (laughs) Ali or Cassius Clay that. had a yes. whole entire song. The gang is all that. here. Yes. Look wow. at you. Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I, Andrew just raised the me. roof, y'all. It was news <laughs> to me. Okay. Wow. I had no idea either. So the fight is over. Clay wins. And it's time to party. So Malcolm says, it? party <laughs> at my at my hotel okay and uh let's just say malcolm is a bit of a buzzkill because (laughs) all he wants to do is have a night of reflection y'all and then this is where the meat and potatoes is of of the film so can i say real quick that him only having vanilla ice cream is a true story all he had was vanilla ice cream 
when so I tell you the way that, that Jim and Sam was stuff. like, I wanted to party. Like Sam was like, all I want to do is go to Fountain Blue and have a good time. And they were like, oh, we got ice cream. <laughs> I've been a part of championships before. If I would have went to somebody's hotel room and all they had was vanilla ice cream and we were supposed to sit there and talk, I'd have left. Pissed. Yeah. I mean, I'd <laughs> Been a hey, little hey, bit pissed. Hey Malcolm, this is this is cool, man. I'm gonna dab you up. Respect you. Yes. I got, I got, yeah, and we we're got in models Miami? at the club. Yeah, we got bottles. <laughs> of these brother. Like, this man just won his first heavyweight title. Yes. I, you know, it was it was a lot. You know, I heard that vanilla means something when it comes to black people. Vanilla ice cream, like we weren't allowed to have it during segregation time granted this is during segregation so i don't know huh. yeah but i did i did hear him say uh sam i hear vanilla is your uh flavor, flavor of choice, of choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know i wonder if malcolm really was throwing some low blows because malcolm throws some low blows in this film malcolm i mean he had zero f's to give on like mm-hmm. all fronts you know what i mean and uh, speaking of not giving any cares Malcolm told the group that Cassius Clay is uh, transitioning into Islam. Clay wasn't wasn't ready <laughs> to let everybody know. Uh, and Jim and Sam were not excited. <laughs> first of whatsoever. all, I'm just going to go ahead and say this now. Jim Brown's character in this film was the funniest person. I mean, all his lines had me rolling. So... <laughs> Uh, the conversation came to Cook and uh, Brown, like, oh, would you ever convert? <laughs> and he was like, have you ever had my grandma's pork chops before? <laughs> and that's on Mary Had a Little Lamb. Okay? <laughs> I love my mama's pork chops. <laughs> love them. That was my last meal before I moved to Florida. I still think about it regularly. But I want to I get to something bigger <laughs> with, with these conversations before we go back into more detail. I feel like most of the night was the battle between ideologies, specifically between Sam Cooke and Malcolm X. And Mm -hmm. I like to call it, you know, the woke Negro versus I don't want to be broke Negro. You know what I mean? I like that. I like that. And what I mean is Sam is feeling himself. He likes nice things, okay? He like he, he went into I'm the hotel and immediately said, "This is dumb," and he didn't <laughs> even care that he couldn't go into the fountain blue through the front door. But you know what? He could afford it, therefore he's going to stay there. So, I mean, what do you think about this dynamic? I think it's a really good one. Actually, yeah, if you want to jump in, feel free. I, I just think that the the everyone has their own role to play mm-hmm. and like what what bothers me and i get it and i actually love malcolm x for it like his purity mm-hmm. around like there's a fence you're either with us or you're against us and it's time to get off the fence right yes and like that sounds great like i love that idea but like i don't really see that as how it always plays out because mm-hmm. I think it was great when Leslie said, all right, let's talk about your side of the fence. Elijah Muhammad in the biggest house in Southside Chicago, mm. living like a pharaoh. Like, mm. I've been to Chicago. Like His family's from he, there. I'm from Southside. And, yep. and you haven't even put out there that he's got 
six girls pregnant under the age of 18. But mm -hmm. like, how are you going to preach to me about what I should be doing when you're quoting a person who's not even doing that stuff? So like, it's so much gray. And yeah. I think, I think I just hate people's like absolute judgment. Like this is right. This is wrong. Cause like, that's not how life goes. Yeah. I just wanted to say about this, this was absolutely my favorite part of the film because I love mm -hmm. a healthy debate. Mm -hmm. And I thought that they both made some excellent points and especially where we are right now feels again here. so We're relevant. Exactly. But I did, I, to your point, had the, the issue with hypocrisy, calling out the hypocrisy. Um, and also, you know, Sam was about trailblazing in his mind and financial freedom. And, yes. you know, he was the first black artist ever to own his own label. Ever. He owned his own masters. He helped other black artists. He mentions uh, the scene that Andrew loves about the British invasion and investing in that. And the Absolutely. Rolling Stones putting checks in him and Bobby Womack's pockets when they don't even realize they out here working hard and we sitting back making money, you know? So Ooh, wait, Let's my favorite part, oh, my favorite ahead, part when he's like, don't, don't talk about getting a piece of the pie i want the I, recipe i want my, the recipe my favorite like, yo. quote he said yeah. i don't want a piece of the pie i want the goddamn recipe okay? i want the goddamn recipe and who's woke now like like yeah. how like we we make these assumptions about people who are doing well economically and i think it's i think it's you know slave house versus field. I mean, it's a lot of that internal debate that we mm. like, we like cannibalize ourselves. Mm -hmm. But like, the question is, Malcolm, why don't you ask me my strategy instead of mm -hmm. assuming you know my strategy? Very true. Yes. Because, because it's like, he's yes, going about my, it a different way, but it is extremely effective. It's extremely mm -hmm. effective. And I want to mention at that particular point, Malcolm was asking Sam, Where's your message? Where, what are you talking about? He, he went as far as to say that you're, you're making songs for bigot children. Uh, you're, you're a monkey dancing around. Like he, he hit some, he hit it under the belt multiple times. He did. Absolutely. He did. And, like I said, they both. Go ahead, Andrew. Go ahead. He actually said like, who doesn't belong here? Sam, you're the only one here that white people like one. And he said, you're the only one not contributing to the struggle. That mm -hmm. is a direct quote. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's just so, and then he goes about, let me tell you about, about how I'm contributing to the struggle. First and foremost, Malcolm, you're unemployed in isolation. Wait, and there's a hit out for one your of my head. Favorite quotes and wait, wait, you ain't got Negro, no job. You ain't got <laughs> no job. You ain't got no job. Your house is about to get repossessed. You you are in financial and physical dire straits right now, because and and I'm on the other side of that. And I'm not saying what you're doing is right or wrong, but like I'm doing the struggle. I'm employing black people. I love mm -hmm. that story about the Valentinos and Bobby Walmack. I yes. had no idea. No idea. Like, I've, I financed the British invasion. Mm -hmm. I've got these white Rolling Stone you, brothers going all around the world. power. Making That's power. my money, baby. Exactly. And, and the you, question is, does the power count if no one knows you have it? Ooh. Well... Woo. That's a great question, Andrew. I was going to say, too, I think that's, like I said, I thought both of them made such good points, but I think that was where inevitably Malcolm lost me because I started to feel like it was an attack 
more than a conversation. I started to feel like, especially when he did that uppercut of Bob Dylan blowing in the wind comparison, and he's like, this man put out a better song than you have, and he's yes. speaking more to the Black struggle than you ever have. I mean, this is supposed to be your friend. And yes, you can get into really strong debates with your friends, but it felt like you more so, Malcolm, wanted to win that argument mm -hmm. than to understand where Sam was coming from. And that's where, even in debates as Black people, individuals in society, that's where you lose me because we should we should try to understand where each other's coming from to uplift the community instead of antagonizing each other saying but listen you're not doing it the way that i feel you should do it and therefore you're wrong it was jay-z versus colin kaepernick mm. that was that conversation that's a great right? that's a great modern day comparison that was wow. that jay-z is I'm working the with the nfl yes. yeah i yep. employ all these people i'm Excellent. equity i have all of this and there are people on the front lines and I'm actually supporting those people on the front lines mm -hmm. financially. And I don't need to necessarily make everyone hate me to do my job, but I need you to be on the front lines and you need me to finance you. So like, why are we, why are we fighting about yes. our, our role in this? Because you can never discredit Malcolm X being Malcolm X. I remember thinking, I was like, so we going to go toe to toe verbally with Malcolm X. I would have right. been, I would Yo. have been, I would have shrunk in my skin. Like, Yo. hold on. I'm having a verbal debate. I would with have Malcolm tapped X. out mentally before walking it's, in the room. Delora, <laughs> exactly. Like of all people to come for you, Malcolm X is coming for you. You know what I mean? So Be it's not in the game. Yeah. But in, in his passion, you know, when he's like, we're fighting for our lives, like those moments were palpable. You know, I got cheers. And that actor did his did the damn thing, okay? Yes. I want I want to also mention, so you all really mentioned all of the things that Sam Cook did, but he, you know, the conversation of him doing what he had to do to play the game essentially. So, so it's kind of like, uh, it's almost like the corporate Negro versus the woke Negro, right? Cause the corporate, you know, we're all from corporate America <laughs> and we know what it's like to play that game, you know, yeah, Is I feel like Malcolm time? was calling me a bougie Negro when he said that to Sam Cooke. I felt that in my soul. <laughs> yeah. was I was me? like, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I am a brunch Negro. Yeah. I myself like, am a brunch damn. Negro. Okay. Said, you know what's wrong with you bougie Negroes? I was like, damn. damn. I was I would have stayed at the Fountain Blue too if I could. Ouch. <laughs> yes. But I also but I also you know, he was the first. Uh, singing artists to go natural. I, I actually saw a documentary and Aretha Franklin mentioned that. She's like, they used to all get their hair permed up into that point. Sam, they said he always read a book. He always kept a book with him. Uh, he always wrote songs. So, and they kind of hinted to it in the film. Like, although he didn't release a song like Dylan, he had them, you know what I mean? Well, but he was so busy playing the game that he didn't show his hand yet. Well, let me say as a part of this too, Delora, that this conversation this debate is probably one of the least factual points of the whole film because of course because of course. that song was actually the the song was released before this conversation ever happened right it, he was already doing things to he show was that and he, he actually, didn't need malcolm x to take that those steps the real not at all right. i'm talking person, in, i'm know, talking for, for the sake the of the film, of the film. Yeah, but it, yeah the fact is uh, Sam Cooke actually did love the song so much. He actually did say that he wish he wrote it, and he he did the cover. He yeah. actually has a cover of it. So, but he um, did, right? a change he's, is gonna come is based yes. on listening on to Blowing in the Wind. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, exactly. so that prod matters. But I think it is it is. 
I want to step away from the corporate ego because I've just mo- I've just moved. <laughs> hey, you can call it whatever you want. The Andrew. entrepreneurial, just... <laughs> the, uh, the like like um, dang, I, I the keep financially free, the financially empowering Negro. and freeing others, right? Like mm. the Booker T. Washington Negro, right? Like yes, if if my struggle is economic because at the end of the day, all of us are in America because that's where we live. Like it means that I have to do things different than you, but like mm-hmm. it, it is like corporate feels like pandering and he did feel corporate, right? He was like a more yes. of a pandering. I mean, he was thinking Copa about his next performance at the Copa Cabana because the goal was yeah. to, um, you know, make that transition from the chilling circuit to mainstream. So mm-hmm. that was always still a goal, you know, and it's if ways, I take my mainstream money and I fund yes. black artists, black writers, black musician, black yes. thought, black movies, black movements, mm-hmm. like, just and shut I'm up and take my door. money. Is it worth I'm it? I'm opening the door for yeah. and thank, everybody and say thank else you. who comes. Say thank take you. my money and say thank you, bro. Well, that was my that was my next question too, because um, you know, out of you know the different types of Negroes, I've called Sam <laughs> and then Malcolm. <laughs> You have Jim Brown, who I would like to refer to as the realist out of everyone in the conversation. And uh, his one-on-one with Malcolm was very interesting because he actually brought in the colorism aspect of it all. And said that, you know, these you light-skinned Negroes are so militant. Is it because- You're the most militant. You're trying to prove a point, but, you know, I'm just going to, you know, insert comment here and say, I feel like- in some ways, the light-skinned Negroes were the ones who were actually able to be up front to have the microphone. So if you're going to say something, you might as well make the most of the situation because, I mean, unfortunately, based off colorism, the closer proximity to whiteness, the more favorable you are in the eyes of the mainstream um, media. So, you know, I kind of get that to an extent. But again, back to what Brown was saying to Malcolm, you know, real freedom essentially is economic freedom. And my question to you all is, is that actually true? I'm, a, I'm an economic person. So I was going to say, I, you I go say ahead, Andrew. 100%. Like, and I'm going to say it from my personal standpoint over the last year and a half. I've watched brothers in my circle get free. And I mean that from like freedom of expression, freedom of how they speak, talk, dress, act, look. And all of it has to do with them no longer being in white spaces and needing white approval to feed their family. Mm. So, so there's a thing that I'm watching happen in real time that I'm starting to experience in real time. That's why when we started this conversation, I was like, I can say what I want because I work for me, right? Um, <laughs> but, but no, there's this thing that happens very subtly when I have to change who I am to be accepted to feed my family. The notion is that who I am is not okay. It's not enough. It's not enough. And so yes. it, it, is a, it, is a, it is a daily degradation of identity that ends up showing up in all your other places of life. It does. And, and it's when exhausting. you can feed your family as you are mm-hmm. and then find out what you actually like, the expressions, the people, how you want to speak, like language is a big piece of that, look, hair, clothes, all of that. I think that that is how you fight freedom struggles anyway. Because, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, we can march 
and do things that are aggressive, but if there are no economic threats, like the the Montgomery bus boycott was an economic threat. It was. It was right? strategic. It was focused. Yes. It was long term. It was patient, and it was economic. Right. Yes. Political because power in America in capital, is economic. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We are a capitalist society that also practices democracy. That's that's all that I was. <laughs> That's all that I was going to add to Andrews because he summed that up beautifully was that from what I've seen, obviously, living in America, wealth is power, period. Period. Point blank. That's whether you're white, black, green, or blue. So So, absolutely, economic freedom, economic wealth is freedom. And Jim Brown said my favorite part of the movie. Yes. Because technically... Sam Cook is the only person not waiting to get paid by a white man. Yep. In that room. Yes. And the question is, I don't know very many people who are black not waiting on a check from a white person. Like, I just, how can you be yourself and fight the power when a white person has to feed your family for you? Mm. It's hard. Moment of thought. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've been there. I'll be at work. Life. Lifetime I wish of I thought. Could tell him, I wish I could tell him what I really think, but. <laughs> but <laughs> did you all have anything to say about the the light skin militant comment by Jim Brown? Also, I mean, I just thought it was just as powerful as the conversation, given again where we're at currently, as the conversation that Malcolm and Sam had, because colorism, as we know, is very evident, very prominent. I do feel as a lighter skinned black woman that yes, there's definitely advantages. There's definitely times that you may feel you have to prove your blackness depending on who you're around or he even pointed out black men in particular who may feel like they get picked on a bit uh, by other black men as they're growing up, seen it, lived it, experienced it, sure. But in terms of the division amongst the black community is something we still have to struggle with and figure out. So to mention that in the context of everything else they were discussing, I thought was powerful because as a black community, we still have our own struggles that we have to address. Absolutely. It's not always this, this movie was so good because it, it like like you mentioned, it, he, he went from the external quote unquote struggle to the struggles within our actual community. Mm-hmm. And and wanting to say that to Malcolm in particular, who again was coming so hard at Sam. So hard. And like, let's, <laughs> let's not pretend like, you know, there's not some shit you can be checked on Malcolm. Cause there is, you know, yeah. I appreciated that in a friend circle, especially. Cause they were well, all supposed to be though, friends. What, what I think is really important though, the one, I think Leslie Odom was the perfect person to play the part but he is a lot darker than Sam Cooke. Yes. And it's interesting when you think of colorism and being palatable in groups, like Sam Cooke is a very light-skinned brother and the Valentinos and Bobby Womack is not. Mm. And so it's interesting to think about like, they called Sam Cooke to try to get black music for the Rolling Stones. And he, he was able, I believe, because all of our folks in the 60s and 70s, a lot of those folks who are palatable to white audiences are, are lighter skinned folks. And they mm-hmm. they get the opportunity, Dorothy Dandridge, right? They get the mm-hmm. opportunity to break the barriers for everyone else. And I, again, I would be remiss. Still today. Against, still against, today. And I would be remiss <laughs> without in this moment saying, except for and beautifully, 
Cicely Tyson who did it with her dark ass skin. I know. R.I.P. for her. Yeah. So Ash and I were just talking about her too. Yeah. Uh, just a a jewel, a jewel. Sure. A lot has happened. So another thing that X did, because again, I just feel like he was a man swinging at this point. He had to tell Clay that he's leaving the nation. Yeah. This was a tough, tough scene uh, to watch for me. Um, basically, he converted this man. He's, he's practically transitioned and he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm leaving. How would you process this? Like, what were your thoughts during this time from Clay's perspective in particular? I understood his anger. I thought it was justified because one could feel in that moment that you're manipulated. We've seen up until this point that Cassius is not 100% clear on his thoughts or his decision. He's wavering yeah. a little bit in that he evening. He did say passion was a strong word. And I yeah. also like to mention that uh, Michael Max mentioned that he was leaving the nation and that he was starting his own group and it would be helpful if clay would come along with him yeah so. so it can feel like you know i'm being used again we're supposed to be friends and i know we haven't talked about age but my but cassius clay was the youngest of the group right cassius clay is 22 yes. malcolm x at this point was 38 yeah, so nice. you know this is someone he looked up to and was in in real life a mentor to him so his anger in my opinion was justified it's tough uh being in these mentor relationships and like especially when you feel like everybody wants something from you, right? Mm. I'm, I'm climbing the ladder. I got this Louisville group wanting something from me, my trainers, business people, white, black. And it's so nice to have someone who doesn't want anything from you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that person was Malcolm X for him. Like, yo, he just wants me to be spiritually fed, to be whole. And then you realize like, man, you've been playing an angle too. Mm -hmm. like, that hurts. And if you think about it, the betrayal of a spiritual advisor hits different. It yeah. hits very different. Yeah, that's true. It hits very. That's, that's a real, actually that's a great well point. Well put. Well put. Do you feel like it's not also, to say that see, it was a betrayal though? Because I don't think Malcolm's intentions. No, were no. we we nefarious. understood Malcolm's yes. intentions. I just wanted to put that out there because I know mm -hmm. people are only listening to me. They don't know my mindset, so I'm just saying that to be clear. Yeah, but but yeah. I, I think it's important to know, like, there are intentions, and then there are consequences. And I believe wholeheartedly, like, I've recently, like you, Delora, in the last couple of years, really learning the story of his rise and then fall and then the breakaway and, and what was in his control and not in his control. We didn't talk about his JFK comments, but that's very, very important. Yeah. That too. Well, you can but, bring it but, up. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so when JFK Man. was murdered... Uh, assassinated. Um, he had been told not to speak on it uh, by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in his mm -hmm. press uh, appearances. And they continued to ask him, you know, what do you think about what do you think? And, and he tried to subtly say, well, you know, violence begets violence. And, and he mm -hmm. said, well, what, do you, what are you saying? And he's like, well, for an American government that practices violence all over the earth, this is the chickens coming home to roost. And that is obviously against what he was going to say. Mm -hmm. and got him banned mm -hmm. uh, from speaking for 90 days. And that started the momentum of him 
being expelled from the mm-hmm. nation. So mm-hmm. in the middle of his being banned, he's in Miami trying to, if I can win over the most famous Negro young person, maybe I can fall back into the good graces with Laj mm-hmm. Muhammad and mm-hmm. get back into the nation. Um, so it's, it, that, that all matters in the moment. So I agree. It, it, it's not his intention to use Muhammad but he definitely Ali. wanted something. But he, but he did. He had an agenda. He, he would not have went to Miami, I don't believe, Mm-mm. if he didn't need that that domino to fall for him to for himself. So it's not a bad thing. It's just a, it's just a, it's just a, a part of the story, and it's a very important and cool part of the story that they that they talked about it mm-hmm. in the way that they did. And I can imagine being Muhammad Ali or Cassius Clay at the time and being crushed. Mm-hmm. Again, hit a little different. In the words of Jim Brown from this movie, this is one strange fucking night. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of great one-liners. I'm man. telling you, the funniest person in this movie. Yeah. Is there anything else from this night in particular that you want to talk about before we go into the aftermath of this night? Oh, I'm sorry. There, There's... um. One more thing I'm going to say about the night, but the the night within the hotel, I I guess. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the party after. I, I, the real I party. Had, I had this over, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had this overall interesting thought about um, Black people proclaim, proclaiming their greatness. Mm. And, seeing it within each, each other. Yes. And, and relishing and, in it. But like, what does it look like? I, I was feeling like Jim Brown and Cassius Clay were really opposites when it came to that. Yeah. That Cassius Clay was beating his chest from, from pre-fight, middle of the fight, end of the fight. And Jim Brown was really more of a humble Southern gentleman. Mm. You know, in that first scene, the, the guy, Mr. Clayton, is like, you should take more pride. You know, you're, you're great, right? And yes. I think, A, that there's, we've been trained to, like, defer and be humble. Um, yes. And it's always nice to see somebody out there like, I'm the best motherfucker here. Like, that's a, like, that's a cool yeah. thing to see from a black person. But guess what? No one in my family liked Cassius Clay or Muhammad Ali until well, well, so well, well anymore. later. Aww. Ain't that and, something? Ain't that yeah, something? but I don't think we saw, I, I, I think when it comes, I think it has a lot to do with being raised, right? My family, predominantly Southern, Black folk. You know, we just don't go around saying this. Now we see the value in it, right? You speak you speak life into your life, okay? I am mm. the greatest. Mm. I am, you know what mm. I mean? That, the, that sentence alone is the, the most powerful sentence you could ever say, right? But back in the day, I know my, my grandma could not stand him. <laughs> because, because we have this thing, like we've been trained to, be, to defer, to be like meek and humble, some of it's some of it's our Christian roots. Yes, but right. you know that conversation of nature versus nurture. As women, we're definitely told that double ten so, times. Oh so my that was going to be my question, Andrew. Actually, because as a black female watching it, I thought, and this is not to make it gender based essentially, but that would not be 1960s black women. That was very much in my Never. mind a black male conversation, a black male. 
I mean, privileged slightly to be no, so uh, over, over bold, yeah. you know, with with that language and to f- have those feelings. You know what I mean? So what was that your sentiment as well when you're watching that? Absolutely. I mean, that is a that is a to be a black person and a black woman and be that bold. You wouldn't get work. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but to be clear, to be a black male and be that bold and be that bolsterous, they took away Muhammad Ali's job, right? Like they yes. tried to bankrupt him and make him the worst. Like it wasn't allowed for black men either. <laughs> That's true. I mean, he went through a lot. Especially the first when he black heavyweight, to- the first black heavyweight, Joe Johnson, I think. Ooh. They, they stripped his title from him and tried to throw him in jail for having sex with a white woman. So like, it's never been okay for black people in general. It's definitely not okay in those times for black females. And I think it's awesome. Like I get a lot of my black identity pride boosts from black women these days. Like I hey. love Beyonce. Hey, like, yo, y'all just talking in a hey. different way. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> you know, so, people like, felt uncomfortable with Beyonce. And and when she started talking about, now Bow Down was a bit much. But, you know, when she started talking about her why? shit, people didn't like it. But why, though? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, the whole <laughs> album, like, Power, like, yes. like, like, the whole joint Black Parade, like, it's so, like, the entire homecoming performance, like, yo, I'm the fucking shit. Like, I'm the fucking shit. Deal with it. It makes people so uncomfortable. But in my field and finances, and we're dealing with a lot of Black folks and Black women and business owners, like, they have trouble becoming or saying that they're experts and they're pricing. So I think Mm -hmm. all of that comes from a place of be meek, be humble, don't don't brag, don't toot your own horn. If we're talking about you know, I am statements beating our chest. What's the difference between Cassius Clay and Kanye? Andrew? All right, so hot take. Hot take. I can't stand Kanye. Hot I'm going to put that on record. Hot take. Put that on wax. Listen, okay. He was once my favorite. Listen, hot take. Once. A long time ago. Hot take. First album. When, when Kanye <laughs> was Cassius Clay and he was the greatest... And he said it before anybody believed it. And he willed himself to being a creative juggernaut. I fucked with him heavily. I think the mentality of believing in yourself, believing in yourself, like his first trilogy and like pushing yourself forward to fail and try again. I am all for that Kanye. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think even that type of, we can call it arrogance, but what is arrogance when nobody believes in you? It's faith. Like, okay, I, f- I fuck with Why that. Why isn't it fraud? Why isn't it fraud? Because you got to back it up. His talent. The proof. The proof, proof, is, the yeah. proof mm-hmm. is in the pudding, right? Like, if you beat yeah. your chest and you get your, if you Adrian Bronner it and beat your chest <laughs> and it get knocked out, and no fraud. Ew. But Ew. if you, if you, if you money Mayweather it beat your chest and then never lose a fight. Like you get to do that. And I think that it, man, there's something about being your biggest fan when nobody's your fan. Yeah. That is so necessary for black folks in in general, everybody specifically, but black folks in general, like if nobody's rooting for you, you got to be rooting for you. 
and you've got to root for you hard enough to overcome everybody else not rooting Everything. for you. That's so I'm, I'm, I'm with that beat your chest shit. I swear I am. You got to do the work. I don't fuck with Kanye because he sold out black people by being a terrible like person for human rights and he's he turned yeah. into a trash political figure. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. been it's been the it's been the personal side of it that has overshadowed the talent side of it, right? Because early career Kanye, you're right. The bragging, bragging, being arrogant. He's always been arrogant. He's yeah, always huh? been. It At never bothered times. me until he started making terrible decisions and making Saying crazy. Exactly. Exactly. Slavery was a choice. Slavery was a choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just he took things to another level that overshadowed the talent. For sure, That's it's still possibly there. I don't know because I don't listen it's to his albums be anymore. To see how history <laughs> is going to shine its light on him. That's all yeah. I gotta say. No, I agree. Sure. It's. I think it's gonna shine his light on him as. I think they're gonna give him his due as a creative genius for sure, and a person who dedicated his self to a craft. He changed music like on three or four different ways. I agree with you, Andrew. My friends, my guy friends just had a podcast and they talked about one of the DJs, I think it was like top lists and he had uh, Kanye is like number 17 and it just felt so disrespectful because yeah, from a talent perspective, Kanye is still Kanye. You know what I mean? You cannot yeah. negate the talent. You can do talent, you can do sales, you can do influence. Like They I, also mention influence. Yeah, when, when I go into like there are people on that list that he might have put above Kanye that would that are doing Kanye renditions, right? Like all soul beat sampling comes from Kanye making it mainstream. All and that's the thing emo, they mentioned. He's not just a rapper; he's a producer. Like his correct. influence yes. on the game, the is emo part, like everything that Young Thug yeah. makes, like everything that most of these new rappers make, came from him out of pain making 808s and heartbreaks. Mm. Like and that so, didn't exist before. Speaking so, of legacy, I'm, I'm a Kanye fan, but of his so, music not as a person sorry Go i'm gonna say <laughs> exactly. two things so i'm gonna in the in the night by saying they left the hotel finally and they had a real party and they pretty much did the remake of that iconic picture that this whole play and uh screenplay was based off of um at the diner and one of the things that i think was very interesting is they also set it up to uh, show Malcolm X looking out the window and seeing one of his brothers from the nation, you know, connecting with the white agents. So, you know, I think they did a really good job uh, just showing that, you know, Malcolm X at this time was a cornered man, you know what I mean? And so Lord knows what, what emotions he was going through, but I thought Kinsley embodied that very well. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about the aftermath. Okay. After this iconic night, we are then, the film then goes to Sam on Johnny Carson performing his iconic, the civil rights anthem, Change is Gonna Come. Mm -hmm. uh, we also see that uh, Cassius Clay has now become um, Muhammad Ali. And I thought, this is actually visually one of my favorite scenes when you see the, the men and women stand up in their black and white clapping and you see him look over to that empty chair mm -hmm. and Malcolm X is not there. Speaking of Malcolm X, 
uh, this is, they fast forward quite a bit. And uh, this is when his house gets set on fire and he and his family had to flee. But then we also see that he had the transcript of the iconic book, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Brown did a Shonda Rhimes, gathered his fabric and said deuces to the Browns because they were petty and they didn't respect him and his star power for him to pursue his acting career. And uh, he said, you know what? I'm not going to be an NFL player anymore. I'm going to pursue acting. And then lastly, I really love how this film ends. It ends with Malcolm seeing Sam Cooke sing this song with a message on television. And, um, and then that's how the film ends. So one of the things I wanted to talk about, because I want to incorporate some real life history in this, with the discussion of how history is going to look upon the legacy of men, well, Sam Cooke and, and uh, Malcolm X both died shortly after. So Sam Cooke yeah. died in December of mm-hmm. 1964 and Malcolm X literally died one year after. And the thing about Sam Cooke's death that I want to highlight is that his death was so unfortunate. He died at a motel after having an affair with a woman and he thought that the manager had something to do with it and she shot him three times in the chest and her her claiming that he was trying to rape them. And it was just a lot of uh, speculation about the realities of the situation. And the black community were kind of refused to accept the story, but with that, what the black community did do, we only know his legacy for his music. We only know about his entrepreneurship. We only know about, you know, the good things about him. And so I think that was um, something I was trying to tie into that. Is there anything else with the ending of this film or something that happened um, in, in terms of uh, these men post the, this event that you would like to talk about? Yeah, Andrew, was a, as always, go first. Yeah, thank you. There was this powerful scene where Malcolm X comes back after... Um, Sam Cooke storms out and they come back and he, and I I don't want to leave this scene out because it's really important. He shares how he was there during this scene in Boston in the crowd that he'd seen these performances, Mm -hmm. right? He said, I'm a fan. Mm -hmm. I've seen you multiple times, but none, none of them is as much as the one I didn't enjoy any of them as much as I enjoyed Boston. And he makes him tell the story of, the sound being cut out and him being on stage with all these people and the way that he galvanized this crowd. Mm -hmm. And he says, I've been hard on you because nobody in this room can do what you can do. Like you are the most powerful, iconic one of us all. And I just want, I'm pushing you and kind of trying to get you to be the best version of yourself. Be all that you can be. You can move mountains without lifting a finger. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, wow, right? Yes. There's this, there's, this, there's this thing about brothers challenging brothers, sisters challenging sisters. And then sometimes it is aggressive like it was. And sometimes I think it has to, it has to have the love component that yeah. that was like, I see you, brother. I'm, maybe I'm doing it the wrong way, but I'm, I mm-hmm. swear it's coming from mm-hmm. a good place. Mm-hmm. Like that was powerful for me. And I think it's a piece of the film. That was my favorite part of the film, actually. 
that was that's that was a beautiful scene mm-hmm. to your point because again I thought Malcolm went too far as a friend in the conversation so it yep. was nice to see that wrap back around to listen I I do appreciate you and I recognize your greatness and that is the only reason why I've come at you the way that I have because to think that friends or family or people you love don't see you or support you or think that you are talented or acknowledge things is very hurtful. So I think it was much needed in the dynamics of their relationship in terms of the wholeness of the film. But also I wanted to say, Andrew, that caused me to go down a Jackie Wilson rabbit hole as well. Cause I didn't really know anything about Jackie Wilson. And I was like, who is this man? Who's that? So Jackie Wilson was a prominent performer at the time. They talked about him because remember, he was played by Jeremy Pope, who Mm -hmm. I love from Mm -hmm. Hollywood on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, he also died kind of tragically because he ended up having a heart attack on stage and went into like a coma and never fully recovered. So he was like in a like almost vegetative state for like nine years. But he was a dynamic, dynamic performer. He was dynamic. the one that was on stage before him that yes. he was blaming yes. for like messing up the sound. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, Jackie Wilson. Was I was sabotaging about the nine-year coma. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. no, look it up. It's it's tragic to think about, but I guess apparently. Well, I don't. I'm, let me not give away anything. Feel free to Google it, Delora, and all the listeners, because it is an interesting story. But the last thing I want to say about the film overall was, Delora, I sent you an article about. You know, the Malcolm X Muhammad Ali friendship really stuck with me throughout the film, especially yes. again because of the mentor mentee relationship and that the estrangement that Muhammad Ali, because Muhammad Ali chose to stay with the nation after he Malcolm did. left, that estrangement from Malcolm X was one of the biggest regrets of Muhammad Ali's life. Yes. And that just devastates me in, mm-hmm. in a way because. The, the, to imagine that this is a friend of yours who you thought at the time you were making the best decision for yourself or whatever was going on. For your you life, never, religion you, is major. Absolutely. You never know what life is going to bring or what's going to happen. He obviously had no idea that Malcolm was going to be killed, you know, within the next year to think that, that he had to live with that for the rest of his life just bothers me. So that was just something that even watching the film stuck with me as a something that in real life was like, oh, such significance, such reality, and something for me personally that I really took away from it as in, you know, you never know what the next day is going to bring. So I don't want to live my life full of regret. Thank I you. think one of my, I think one of my That's biggest takeaways point. over the last year has been really digging into like the amount of greatness and devastation of Black folks in the 60s. Like mm-hmm. I could not imagine. Like I, I, I've like I like made a list of people who are as iconic as the people in these films and in the lives of Black folks for hope and for sport and for entertainment, mm-hmm. religion and po- political that were all murdered. Um, and I say that specifically. Some of them died natural causes. Like Chadwick last year hurt my soul in a way that was, a, but Still he didn't. Hurt he wasn't all. murdered though. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. He right. It was just untimely. Well, he it was, was untimely. Taken away from us, but not in a violent way. Right. Like, violent way. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and violence and conspiracy like and white. Right. Like 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 Nipsey. But that you know, it, I just like I had so much empathy for black folks who lived through the sixties. Like. Like For sure. Martin and Malcolm and even Kennedy, you know, Kennedy, both, both of them. And yeah. like, but then you get into Sam Cooke and you get into Jackie Wilson and you get into 
Megar Evers and you get in the, like you get into mm-hmm. all of these mm-hmm. people who yeah. were household names murdered. Yeah. yeah. And then you try to figure out where why aren't we in better places? I'm like they murdered everybody. And I have no idea how I could have been hopeful. Like if I meet an 80 year old who was hopeful after the sixties, like I just want to hug him. We're not even talking about Fred Hampton. We're not even talking about right. like, uh, Angie. Yeah. Like we're not even talking about all of the black part back Panthers that then got displaced and killed and murdered. And, yeah. and I just like, man, I, I don't know what, I don't know what shred of hope I would have had after experiencing that stuff. Absolutely. And to your point, that's why I think the last quote, at the end of the film, that this is a time for martyrs now, and if I should be one of them, then let it be for brotherhood was so powerful. What a powerful way to end. Absolutely. Would y'all be a martyr? Like, that, I wrote that down when I was watching it. Like, I'm like, I like could to you, live. like, knowing... <laughs> I want to tell the story. I, I love history too much. That is- like, I will give you the best story. I was mm-hmm. there. I did what I had nope. to do. But Andrew, that is the question of our time, I feel like, because I've heard people now have that mindset of, is this another time to where people are going to have to make those type of sacrifices of even their lives? Like, what are you willing to give your life for? Exactly. That's why I can't. I can't stand to have conversations with people where they criticize those leaders of that era because you have never given your life for anything. So don't you dare fix your mouth. To criticize something. Exactly. That was your mouth. mouth. (laughs) To say something like that to me. Okay. That's actually for you. That's actually for you. It's so hard. It's so hard for me to hear that. So like I'm I think I would have been more like James Baldwin personally. I'd have been like, ooh, them people tripping. I'm a I'm gonna write about y'all in Paris. I'm gonna go I'm to write about y'all in Paris. My, my cafe and my croissant and be like, mm-hmm. ooh, let me write down my Sun- thoughts. Let me Sunday tell afternoon notes. Days over there tripping. I still wonder if that's one of the things that like caused Nina Simone to have her mental health issues later in life. Because mm-hmm. yeah, again, as Andrew, to your point, to be to live in that period of time, like we think we're suffering mental health issues to a certain Come extent on. right now. I mean, it's a once in a generation pandemic, and we still don't know what the nah. fallout. <laughs> Delora, nah. that's not to, that's what I said was not to know, what we're teasing. going through. I'm but teasing. I'm saying to Andrew's point, like if we were seeing our prominent black leaders being murdered, yeah, and the threat to our lives was just just I mean, as imminent as it feels right now. That's a whole nother level when you're seeing them get assassinated. But that's always been the tactic, right? That's always been the tactic. Make make certain people examples to keep pe- certain people in place, unfortunately. A thousand percent. And so I just, you're right. I got, I'll swipe through a meme and somebody's like, whoo, 2020 was the worst year on record. And I'm like, was what? It? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? 68 was, done. what are you talking about? Well, like, I'll yeah. just say, I, I bet Jesus begs to differ. That's all I got. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> Y'all crazy, man. So, like, like so, so that's that's big. Like that would that I, I feel that like to watch the greatness, right? The economic empowerment, like to even just imagine what Sam Cook's empire would have looked like for another 50 years. But his crew though, do- his crew, their crew was so phenomenal. Iron sharpens iron, okay? Like the fact that you cannot go to the next level unless you are with people on the same wavelength and to have and to find each other in such a dynamic time is one of the reasons why i just could not wait to see this movie and it did not disappoint 
I mean, this was Black Panther, going back to the Black Avengers, this is Black Panther before Black Panther, okay? You had T'Challa. Absolutely. You had Killmonger. You had all the characters in one. So powerful. I loved it. Exceptional job to this cast. Exceptional job to Regina King. Girl, I hope you get every award. Period. Bravo, bravo. Amazing. Oh my goodness. Andrew, is there anything else you'd like to say? I'm just happy to be here. If you ever need my take on something else, like invite me back. It's so been a pleasure, I'm, I'm sir. It's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Thank you yes. so much. We also want to thank your beautiful fiance, Lauren, who I know is a listener. Thank you for, you Absolutely. know, <laughs> letting him spend some time with us to talk about this fantastic movie. Oh, my goodness. Again, highly recommend. So glad that we had the opportunity to do this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. Thank y'all. See y'all later. Keep on recapping. It is time for our hidden gems, Delora. Please hit us hidden with yours gems. for the week. All right. So after watching this film, I immediately wanted to like go into history. I'm a history buff to begin with, and I love a good documentary. And Netflix has two of them featuring two of the gentlemen we just recapped in this movie. So the first is Who Killed Malcolm X? It is a mini series or limited series, six episodes. It follows um, a gentleman who is on the quest to find the person who pulled the trigger. Mm. Um, And the show does a, a great job leading us through essentially Malcolm X's last days. Mm. Um, Also, The Two Killings of Sam Cooke. That is a documentary. Um, Sam Cooke is such an interesting figure for me because Mm -hmm. I... I grew up loving his music. That change is going to come. Still gives me goosebumps to to this day. To this day, okay? <laughs> and, you know, to see such talent, it was almost like a, a shooting star, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. he rose fast, and, and, and he was young. Like, all these men were young. You know what I mean? I know. I am the age that Sam Cooke was when he died. So that's, you know, I've told you this, whatever I know of a certain celebrity who passed away at the age that I turn, it's always like, oh, so this is where, you know, you know, because you're at that point, like this is what you could have been like or thinking or going through or what have you once you reach that stage. It's still so young in the world. I know he had accomplished quite a bit. So much. Um, Tragic. But in the black community, we we kind of refuse to believe what's been reported um so unfortunately it was a a situation for good reason yeah so he was a young man on the rise had a lot of ownership had a lot of money and power and he was honestly barry gordy before barry gordy had motown so and he could sing so and he could sing so (laughs) I just ha- I just highly recommend these two projects if you're interested. Um, Ashley, what are your hidden gems? Yes, ma'am. So Liberate is my first hidden gem. It is an app that one of my friends just put me on to. As I told you guys before, I started getting more into meditation during everything that has transpired, trying to keep my mental health intact. This one is founded by an Afro-Latino man named Julio Rivera, and it is intentionally created for people of color. 
Uh, he created Ooh. it because he felt that the meditation apps he was using were not really helpful for him or uh, identifying certain things that, you know, as people of color, specifically Black people, we go through. Mm -hmm. So the platform um, showcases in a specific to certain issues like microaggressions, things like that. So I just highly recommend it. Again, supporting uh, a Black business, supporting um, something that was speci specifically designed for us in mind. Um, I've enjoyed it thus far. My second hidden gem for this week, Black Box. 2020 film on Amazon Prime. It, they call it a horror, but I call it a thriller because I don't like horror movies. I was going to uh, say, I'm surprised you watched it. <laughs> I do not watch horror movies. This is starring Felicia Rashad, mm -hmm. and I do not want to butcher this man's name. I tried to find the correct pronunciation. Mamadou Athey. I hope that is correct. Oh, he, has starred, he was in Uncorked. Exactly. Uncorked. In the get down, he's been in multiple things at this point, but he is the star and he is a man struggling to regain his memory after a tragic car accident. There's, there's so many twists and turns. It was excellent mm -hmm. acting across the board. Mm -hmm. Felicia Rashad has been living her best life yes, in a has. lot of things lately. So yes. my mom recommended that to me. I very much enjoyed it. And now I'm recommending it to all of you guys. So those are my two hidden gems for our first Black History Month of yes. Hidden Gems. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So next week, Malcolm and marie yes oh actually that was also snubbed in the awards yeah they didn't get any love because that was definitely some oscar bait there and uh, it's surprising given zendaya's emmys win right exactly. it was surprising exactly. but i'm very much looking forward to this one. i'm looking forward to all the films that we're doing for black history month Me for too. sure um yes. but at the time we're recording this we haven't even gotten a chance to watch it yet so nope. I'm super excited. I hope it's excellent. And we're going to talk to you guys about it next week. So see you oh, then. Really quick. One last yeah. thing. It was just announced today. Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella starting, starring um, Brandy, Brandy and Whitney Houston and Whoopi Goldberg will be on Disney Plus starting February 12th. I'm losing it internally. <laughs> I cannot deal. My sister and I wore out that VHS. Okay. Yeah. So you're welcome. <laughs> Just to keep you, everyone posted on what's going on. Thank you so much. I caught that as well. And I immediately started singing. Uh, looking forward to rewatching it and revisiting it as an adult. And yeah, I'll see you guys next week. Delora, see you then. All right. Bye.